You're listening to Tone Benders, the sound designer's podcast. Let's do this. Hello and welcome to Tonebenders. I am your host today. My name is Tim Muirhead. Today we will be talking about building your own edit suite, mix studio, whatever you want to build on your property. Some people call them sheds, some people call them garden studios. Maybe we'll get into what the proper terminology should be. We have two guests today. First up is Lucy Mitchell. She's based in London. She runs LJ Studios. She's worked on series and shows like Dairy Girls, EastEnders, Death in Paradise, and lots more. Lucy is also a writer for Production Expert. You might know her great speaker monitor comparison article she wrote a few months back. That got me through picking some new monitors, so I really appreciate you writing that, Lucy. Uh, she's also a great follow on Twitter, at Lucy J Sound. Also joining us is Al Circuit, our returning champion. You may recall him from our ambient isolation episode we did a few months back. Al is a London-based uh, sound designer and editor. He has a long and impressive list of credits going back to the 90s, including the best exotic Marigold Hotel, Bohemian Rhapsody, and Les Miserables. When I was first interviewing Al for the Ambient Isolation episode, I started talking to him after we finished recording because I noticed that he was in uh, a cool studio that had some sliding doors that looked like a backyard in the background. And also, as I mentioned earlier, Lucy shares a lot of what she's doing work-wise on Twitter, and she's been sharing about the build of her backyard studio and I am about to go down that road myself. So I wanted to get them together and uh, kind of selfishly get some advice and some of the do's and don'ts that they learned so I can put that to work for my own project coming up and we thought we'd record it so everyone could maybe uh, learn along with me. So Al, Lucy, welcome to the show. Hi. Hi. Nice to be here. So let's talk about what your goals were with your backyard studios first. Lucy, what did you want to accomplish when your build was finished? Originally, when we were moving house, I wanted to have a a garden big enough to have a studio in it or to have something that I can convert, you know, an outbuilding or a garage or something that I could convert into something because, you know, editing, even just editing, even when you're not mixing, you know, if you're at home in a flat and you're in a semi-detached, this is a um, end of terrace and the room I was going to be, our third bedroom, so to speak, uh, connects to next door and you can't be loud and... You get people getting annoyed, especially when I'm doing you know, dialogue where I need to hear things quite quite loud and stuff. And um, and when I originally looked into it, you know, it was obviously a very expensive venture. But the reason why, as you can see, I've got quite a big room. The reason why I did what I ended up doing was because it's a very expensive thing to do if I'm just going to move from one room to another. I needed to justify that cost. So I was like... Well, if I could have clients over for reviews or do voiceovers or, you know, my husband's a musical director, so he does a lot of his um, click tracks and stuff in here. So I was thinking, you know, if I can get people over and have it sort of client, not client ready, client nice, nice for clients, whatever, um, then that would that would mean that I could then have more strings to my bow in order to justify spending all this money. But I'm like, oh, okay, if I earn a bit more money because of it, that'll be really good. And then I can do more mixing from home and actually final mix from here rather than just pre-mixing and taking it into town. So that's why I, you know, I wanted to get something as big and I wanted to, I liked working at home and with the dog and we knew we wanted to start a family. So that was quite important. So you have a full recording booth as well. Well, we record in the room. We um, I had this studio designed uh, by Howard Turner, who's uh, from Studio Wizard, and it's all been designed properly so that it's quite dead in here. So, I mean, I can get 
I decided not, I had the option to get a booth sort of built in, but I I thought it would just take. I want I didn't want the room to suddenly be cut out, and I thought it's you know it's not a massive room. It's bigger than most garden studios, but it's not a huge room, and I didn't want to completely cut it out. And I didn't know how much voiceover work, especially at the beginning, I'd be getting because obviously that's not something I usually offer as a freelancer from home. But to be honest, even without it, it's it's pretty dead in here, so it works works quite well. It's kind of almost like doing ADR. But when you're doing normal voiceovers, but that, you know, that has its pros and cons, but it, it works out for the kind of stuff that I've been doing. So, yeah. And now what were you looking to accomplish when you started your build? Mine's quite a bit smaller. Looking at uh, Lucy's in the picture, I can see that hers is quite a lot longer than mine. Um, I just needed to get out of the house. We'd been in our house. We've been here 16 years now. Um we're very close into town. I'm literally sort of 20 minutes on a push bike into Soho, which is the main area for film mixing and TV work and voiceover, a lot of places like that. I just needed to get out of the house. My kids were getting slightly older. Um, and I just found trying to do effects, mainly effects. I'd be sitting there and there'd be a noise in the background. And I'd be like, what was that? And the kids are making a noise and I'm that would distract me. And then I'd right where was I I'd have to go back so it was either find somewhere nearby there's a lot of units you can record in uh, you can use nearby there's lots of composers around this area and they've all got kind of blocks of buildings where you can just hire a room and sometimes there's half of them are set over and are soundproofed and have sliding doors and, and booths in them already when I looked into the cost of that it was okay if I was working but quite a lot of the time if I'm being freelance I'd say I work nine months of the year I didn't want to be spending the money on the rest of the time so it was just having something where it was worth the investment it took me away from the house freed up a bit of space because I've got a lot of rubbish in here as well old kit old speakers quarter inch tape you name it I've got it so it was worth having somewhere where I can completely remove myself means I can spend a bit more time with my family when my Kids get home, I can stop work, hang out with them for a bit, have dinner, and then come down here a bit later on and carry on working. Yeah, that was the main thing. I couldn't, size-wise, I'm in a terraced house where I'm absolutely up to sort of 20 centimetres to the, the edge of my property in three locations, and I couldn't have gone much further towards the house. So the first, uh, as I mentioned in the intro, I'm about to build my own. What do you guys refer to it as? As a garden studio, a shed, just studio? What What do you call it? Depends who I'm talking to. <laughs> <laughs> I call my, well, mine's, I say mine's garden studio because I got mine built basically like a house. It's like, you know, it's, it's sort of foundations and built blocks and stuff rather than the sort of um, garden office-y studios that are sort of timber throughout. So mine's not actually a shed. It looks like it is from the front because I was sm smart and made it all like, you know, wooden on the front, but the rest of it's all block and render. So I call it a garden studio. Makes it sound nicer, I think. <laughs> Al, what do you call it? Uh, usually I'm going to the shed or I'm going to the studio. Yeah, just I think it depends on my mood, whether I'm looking forward to going to work or I feel I'm diving into a hole. <laughs> when we're talking about with my wife building it, uh, I always talk, call it the shed. And she's like, no, we're spending real money on this. This is not a shed. It's the studio. Call it the studio. I actually have a shed which has a bike in it. So, you know, that's one of the things when we were building this, everyone's like, oh, where are you going to keep your lawnmower and your bikes? So I was like, in in our actual shed that, that's the other side of the garden. Because <laughs> my garden, it's not a massive garden. And to be honest, this is a very big 
building considering how small my garden is but when I moved to this house we had a this was actually there was a garage here part of our sort of remit was because I'd say about half my work takes me to a studio where they give us a a set of cutting rooms and there's two or three editors effects editors and we're all on the same corridor so we were aware that this wouldn't always be used for work and when I go, all my kit comes with me. I've got a table, mixing de- an S3 mixing desk, a couple of screens, big monitor up on the wall, and all the speaker stands and all the speakers. When that goes, when I go to a studio, that would all go. So it had to be of a reasonable kind of comfort level that we could keep the chair at the back and a, and a cushion, and the kids can come down and watch TV, or my wife could come down and escape from the kids, or whatever we needed to to do but I would have had one door one solid door and no glass just to (laughs) to try and make it as quiet as possible but it had to look from the outside as if it was going to be something which is most people's like you say office garden office Um, as much as mine is built mine's not footings and stuff like that mine is just panels that were built and shipped to site to match and then there was some soundproof work done afterwards to to deaden it and to make sure I could, I wasn't annoying everyone in the neighbourhood. So, <laughs> so was yours not was yours um, bought as an outbuilding and then made into a sound studio rather than bought as a sound studio to build? I I went to a company that does garden offices and did packages of soundproofing, and I'd seen a few videos they'd done. They gave me the number of a couple of people who'd had the soundproofing done and being in this part of town it was music people or tv and sound people doing the same as me really so that was my main concern and sometimes I work on loud thing bohemian rhapsody obviously when I wasn't working on that here but if I had been and I was doing crowd noises and stuff like that it had just been annoying for everybody I have a, a DJ one side in a studio one side of me who's had top 10 hits and makes a lot of noise so I, I the poor people around here either get me shooting people or him making rave tracks so <laughs> i think what you uh just when you were saying about uh obviously you take i mean i don't take any of my kit away i i usually if i do go anywhere to edit the stuff so i'm kind of going into a dubbing suite and it's kind of there and i do a bit of both i usually i'm editing and mixing if i do that but one of because this is our first home as a married couple although I'm we were planning we were saying right well we're going to get three bedrooms so we can have you know maybe two kids there and and it's not necessarily a first home when people go there for three years and move on and then obviously the idea of building this I'm like well I'm obviously going to be here quite a long time because I just spent you know tens of thousands of pounds building this however I also know that I'm probably not going to be here till I die Probably. I think my husband would be happy to, but I would like a bigger garden in a, you know, to move into a, into the countryside or something. And I was, you know, the design, even the design that I had from Howard was, was brilliant. And there were certainly things that I changed in order to make this more of a, like a domesticated space so that I could set, so example, you know, the carpets that you get in studios, that, that really thin, horrible carpet, that would be much better for sound. And I got laminate floors because, and I put a rug on it because I thought it looked nicer and if I was selling it on, it won't look like a sound studio. It'll just look like it would be very, you know, we could we could sell it as a, I don't know, a cinema room or a den. Because we've got, as you're saying, we've only got three walls, don't have windows. And I've just got those two. They've got blinds shut, but just those two tiny windows. But I've got really bright lights in here. Uh, they're actually dimmed right now, so they're still pretty bright. Um, 
but you know it was important to me that it was not too unusual so that when we can still sell it on to people who aren't sound people <laughs> and sort of say it's a den or a cinema room or something and even now with the pandemic and everyone's working from home more I feel like home offices are going to be the main one of the main things people are looking for in a house because I think so many people are going to start working from home more so I feel like being able to transfer into something else when we sell it on is actually was actually quite I was thinking about that while I was doing it and also I wanted it to look nice because I thought oh I want it to look pretty <laughs> that's a really big concern because with the build that we're planning the one first problem that we've run into is that uh we have to get special permits to build our our studio shed and uh we decided to do this right when covid hit and this permit office was closed it closed for like three or four months so we started the process and put all the paperwork in while they were closed. And uh, the contractor that I'm working with was like, this should normally take about four to five months to get the permits approved, but who knows how long this place is going to be closed. And you're also not the only one who's thinking about making a home studio, given the way the world is right now. So the permit office was inundated, but we actually have our permit hearing soon. But we were also really thinking about like, how studio do I want this to be? Because if I go to resell it, the chances of finding another sound editor or something like that are probably pretty small. But as you say, if it can have the visual appearance of just kind of a four walled studio, that would be very appealing to someone. But if they have to go and like cut out a booth, that's a weird shape or something that might be less appealing. So uh, Lucy, you obviously thought of that while you were doing it. Al, did you have any thoughts along those lines when you were first building? I've had, I probably during lockdown, after people were allowed to move about a bit, I had more friends who have got teenage kids saying, can we come and have a look at your studio? Uh, and just how much is the sound package? And how does it work? Is it is it good enough? Because they've got teenage kids who are making a hell of a noise and they want to put them somewhere where they're not annoying the neighbours and getting constant complaints. So I come down there and I've got the whole normal setup and then I've got a surround sound commercial setup for some other work that I do, a whole Sonos setup as well. And I just put it on really loud. I've got DB meters and I've shown them and I've said, look, there you go. You can knock about, I can knock about 50, 50, 60 DB off, just going the other side of the glass, what's a set of glass doors, because the rest of the package is so well done. As a selling point is a good thing. And again, it takes it, I did the same with the laminate flooring. Didn't worry about what the floor looked like. It doesn't really matter. I went out and got a red Persian looking rug because every music studio or sound studio I've ever seen in my entire life has a red Persian rug on the floor. So I thought I had to get one of those. And you should go um, shopping. standard issue. <laughs> yeah. Everything else is movable. I've got bass traps. I have lots of sound uh, just to stop all the reflections because I'm mainly doing effects. I don't want too many reflections. So I've, all of those are removable. They're all on cardboard backs so that I can take them all down. So if I moved all my kit and the shelves and all of those out of it, it's just a white box. So it was something that can be used. And we've had parties here where open the doors and this is where the music for the party comes from and goes down the garden. I put a cover over the expensive bits of equipment. But <laughs> But did you build a machine room as well? Or where is your gear? So I've got... The room that I'm in is uh, four and a half metres by 3.4 metres. And then, again, part of the the agreement of getting the studio is the other side of the wall, which is behind me, is a one metre wide place to put uh, garden equipment. And in there is a machine room. So it's a, it's a box and it has 
air going out in and out of the back so it's nice i can get in there i lift it up i turn it on i close it that was really important for me i i didn't do air conditioning which was a huge mistake i just thought that i live in england it never gets hot enough to worry about these things and then this summer it's been roasting so i um that's i i do regret that but i don't regret having a machine room next door why did you build the machine room out of interest why did you have it all behind rather than in the room just to keep it square in here just to keep everything here i wanted it as as plain as possible it's a it's a temporary i wouldn't say it's a properly built machine room or machine box uh it's definitely a temporary kind of unit out there um but well worth it just to not have the machines buzzing in the room which i have to have if i go into town if i go to a studio and i've got my kit with me very rarely do i get given the space for a machine room as well so i'm very used to editing when the kit's whirring away so i thought if i'm going to have it at home i do want complete peace and quiet so do you have to go out the door of this room and then in a door of another room to get to your your computer absolutely yeah but everything's run i've got cables running through so i've got my iLocks in here i can plug drives in in here once i've done it in the morning i don't have to go back in there i really have to go back in there and even turning it off the power is inside this room so I come in here, turn everything on, go around there, and literally all I have to do is press the Mac and then it bursts into life and that's it. Lucy, Al mentioned that he doesn't have air conditioning. Do you? Uh, I do. We have an air conditioning unit that is also heating and I also have an extractor fan. It's great. If I'm... It's loud. I got one that was, you know, sort of said, oh, this one's really good value, which is great. I know that there's um, another dubbing mixer internet friend of mine I don't think we've ever met uh has recently built a studio and he I was chat he was asking me about air conditioning and he's got one that's basically silent and in hindsight I probably should have looked into it more I just at that point with all the money I was just going what's the cheapest one I can get that's good didn't really think about the fact that it was making loads of noise and some of the time I can have it on and it's not a problem I mean you know if you have it on low it's probably fine sound wise it's when it's if you're having it on high but if I'm recording in here so, for example, now I've turned off the heating, which is fine because my husband was working. He was teaching from in here over Zoom uh, earlier and the, it's quite warm in here. But I actually have turned the extractor fan off as well, so you can't hear it. So that's, you know, if I was to do, say, a documentary recording that would be, say, three hours, I don't know if I could turn the extractor fan off for that long. I, I can definitely do it for an hour and a half and it's, I'm not going to pass out. I just, I would, I don't know about doing for a full day and the button's back there, so... That's the that's the only thing that would be slightly pro- problematic. But it's the the extractor fan is so quiet. And to be honest, very rarely do you, apart from maybe a podcast, very rarely do you hear the voice without anything else on it. The stuff that I'd be recording for would have background, would have you know the ambience or the sync sound or music. It's if you can hear the extractor fan, okay. If I'm delivering someone to someone, I don't particularly want my voiceover not to be clean. But at the same time, it's not loud enough to really be that much of a problem if it's going for a commercial. You know, I did some voice reels. Um, a voice of a friend of mine directs voice reels, and we did a voice reel here. And I was recording with the extractor fan at the beginning. Then remember, turned it off. And to be honest, once I put the music on it, you couldn't really tell the difference. It was fine. So, what are you doing for heating, Al? I've got a Dyson heater here, which is controlled and always keeps it between sort of fifteen and nineteen when I'm not in here, and then twenty when I am. So it's an electrical. It's, yeah, it's electric. Very heating. quiet. It's on night mode, so it only comes on now and then. The curtains, which are down one side, where the windows are, where the door is, have reflective 
material on the back so that keeps it a bit cooler we did hang another sheet off the front of the building to try and cool it down when it got really hot and that worked a little bit but again yeah i've seen air conditioning where it comes through um a long kind of zigzag pattern so any sound so the the noisy units on the outside and then the air is ducted via various kind of zigzags and that comes in your room to try and reduce the sound um i think that's probably what i'll go for once we've sort of found the money for it <laughs> so i live in canada we have real winters here so we need some serious heating and in my a second bedroom is an addition to the house and we put in a ductless heater that we've got we got a more expensive model for and in the heating phase it's dead silent and in the air conditioning phase if you keep it on low it's silent the louder the heavier you crank it the more it makes a bit of noise but even on full blower this model at least that i have isn't that loud so that's what i'm planning to put in my shed i probably use my heater more than i do the aircon <laughs> when you're in a small space i'm saying this is four and a bit by three and a bit actually you get it up to temperature you're fine this is the the, the sit panels the very thick panels and then i've got floating resilient bars with more plasterboard on so it's very insulated i'll only drop maybe three degrees overnight i again with all these internet things i can track what the temperature is so i can get it up to 20 turn it off go away and it will only drop three overnight which is great so actually it's not the heating isn't on that much i'm lucy's room is quite a bit bigger so quite a bit higher it looks as well so this is mine isn't mine's quite sort of i would say compact but it's definitely bigger than some editing rooms I've been asked to go and work in. So so did either of you design troughs into the floor walls for cabling? It was in my design and I decided not to do it. So I, I originally had, um, it had this sort of trunking, I don't know whether it was, was going to be like desk level or not, but you know when you go into studios and they have along the sort of desk height and you have this sort of thick plastic and had the plugs. Again, I was thinking domestic, household wouldn't really work and then uh howard suggested oh well why don't you put the trunking in skirting boards and, and i was like oh that's a good idea and have it sort of and he said you know when then then it's removable if you make it removable so that if you need to upgrade future, in the future for you know audio over ip and all this sort of stuff but in my head i was going well it's XLA, it's a few xlr my a lot of my cabling's just a few xlr lars and you know headphone jacks if I need, I don't think I'm going to be necessarily needing audio over IP. And if I do, I can just get extent like some cables. Like I don't have clients here all the time. But yeah, it was, I decided not to just for the look of it. But I do have the cables running from behind my desk into the back wall. And then they go all around the side. So I've got XLR cable um, sockets on the side for when I want to record voices. Annoyingly, I didn't know I was going to get, there's a, um, but basically behind me, I've got a sofa on one side and a keyboard on the other. Now, I didn't realise I was going to get the sofa, or at least I did, but didn't think I was going to put it on that side. So I only put plug sockets on the side where the sofa is, thinking that's where the keyboard's going to go. And then when I brought the sofa in, I was like, oh, I should move the keyboard the other side, and I have no plug sockets on that side. So in hindsight, A, either <laughs> my, my advice is either put plug sockets on every wall, or just deciding your furniture before. Well, I thought I decided my furniture, to be fair. I clearly didn't. So that's an angst. So now I've got extension cables out for my husband's keyboard and stuff, which was completely the whole point of me getting everything built into the wall. 
Um, so that's so I've got all this. Everything's in the wall for all of my audio kit, but his his cables for his thing is all over the floor, which is really upsetting. <laughs> so annoying. <laughs> I would say uh, you can never have enough plug sockets. I I thought I went overboard. I've got six here. I've got two over six here. Six behind the computer. Four on the back. Another two over here, and it's and I've still got eight gang breakouts. It's constant. There's always something that never needed a plug before, and you suddenly have to plug in. So yeah. Yeah, I've realised that. Now. Never screwed. <laughs> Yeah, I, I went through this with uh, my builder and I've kind of decided not to do troughs just because, well, A, for resale value, it might just confuse people and B, what what I'm going to be using my room for almost exclusively is just sound design and sound editing. I, I don't have big plans to have clients come to my room. I also don't have big plans to try and attempt to do any mixing. Like I'll get stuff maybe in a ballpark and then go out and dry hire a spot to... Uh, finish up but the majority of the stuff i sound supervise and then it goes to a mix house for a final mix anyway so uh i i figure you know i'm gonna have some xlrs going around to the back i'll maybe put those in the walls and everything else i'm not gonna have a machine room like al although that makes me very jealous i'm thinking maybe an iso box might actually be a cheaper option just even if it's just building it doesn't have to be a complete unit i think because the iso boxes i've seen are very expensive uh, if you can just build something with a with whisper fans, something which is going to draw the air off it and has got carpet on the inside of it, something that will just take that inc- incessant hum away. I think it can be done quite cheaply. I don't think it has to be anything too expensive. I guess it also depends on what your computer is. My computer, I've got one. I've got a refurbished trash can Mac. So it's technically 2013, but it was whatever they came out but it was all refurbed and the spec if i was going to get the imac this is before the newer i mean i probably wouldn't have got the cheese great the new cheese graters because they're extortionate anyway but when the newer imac was coming out i was looking at the spec for spec of this reverb and it was like thousands more so i was thinking oh it's a good thing to get and it doesn't really make that much noise it's on the floor behind my desk i can't really hear it the thing that makes what was making more of a buzzing noise for me and here was my hard drive that i had on my desk so i've now put that down behind the desk on the floor as well so i can't i can't i can't I can't hear it myself and I certainly haven't heard it in recordings. So that's because also if I was doing a proper recording, I'd be obviously they'd be further back in the room and they wouldn't be sitting at the desk where I'm sitting. So it's actually not been that bad for me. And, you know, people get aircon to cool down the room because of all the gear, but I don't have lots of outboard gear. So I have a computer and I have an audio interface and I have speakers and, you know, my little mixing, mixing desk, but nothing that creates too much heat, really, apart from, you know, apart from the computer. And it's not. It's not extortionate, so it's all right. Our listeners might have just had a good example of why I'm building a shed, because my children are now stomping on the floor above me. And uh, (laughs) I'm not sure if the mic was picking that up, but that's something I'm really looking forward to, is not having the uh, other noises in the house once this gets built. So what would you say was the biggest uh, lesson you learned or regret of something that you wish you had done? Um, I I think the aircon, probably. Um, I don't. Anything else has worked really well. And Lucy was saying about ducting and stuff for, for cables. It kind of looks a little bit messy, but I've got a set of shelves along one wall, all down one wall with all my stuff on. And all the cables get tucked in underneath there, so I don't really feel that's a problem. I never thought I'd have clients here, because I'm same as you. I think sound editing, sound designing more than anything else. But I do mix bits. I do some commercials. I do documentaries for people where... They pretty much want me to 
give them an output before we're anywhere near finished. I think everything I've got here is is good enough for a client to turn up to. They have to walk through my house, deal with my my kids and my dog. So if they can deal with that and they can get to the studio, they're going to be happy that the door's closed and they're working. So. Was that banging your kids? Yes, it was. Yes, you need you needed a garden studio. Definitely. Yeah, well, it, when I'm working most of the time, they're at school, like during the week. But this this is a Sunday, so uh, they're at home. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it's I, I need this badly. I I have been renting a space for like twelve years, and I realized you know the amount of money I was spending in rent, I can build a shed and have it paid off in you know four or five years, and then I'm golden. So that that was one of the main things that's pushing me. But the complication of that is is I was renting a space in a bigger studio and they would hire me to do stuff because I was in their space sometimes. So now that I'm moving out of that space, someone else is going to move into it. And are they going to start hiring that person instead? I, I, I Counting on the fact that we have a long enough working relationship that that's not the case, but I'm sure there will be some gigs that I won't be getting just because I'm not down the hall anymore. So that's something to think about as well. Yeah, I mean, it is. It's, 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 someone asked me why I didn't rent a space, I think. And it was a lot of money. And I think uh, similar to Al, the whole like not working the whole year thing. But, you know, I don't know how long it would take me to pay this off. But, you know, the not working the whole year. Um, but also for me, there's not I don't know where I'd have to travel. I literally commute to my back garden, which is really handy for me, um, especially because, yeah, we were trying to, we were, you know, we knew we wanted to start a family. And my husband's a freelancer. I mean, before the pandemic hit, he had choir rehearsals three different nights of the week. If he got gigs, they were often Fridays and Saturdays. So if I was out all day, I just wouldn't see him. <laughs> like, obviously, I would when I'm not working. But and he works all day Sundays, which he was doing today. So it was kind of like a lifestyle choice a little bit as well for me. And then I built, uh, when we built the studio, because I was thinking about clients coming, but I was saying I, I built a gate in the fence next to here and I basically had landscape gardeners come in and put in a huge path. So you can go from my house to the studio and then there's also a path that goes along the front of the studio to the gate. So when I was doing the speaker shootout that you mentioned, when I had all the speakers arrive from the different companies, they just came to that side gate and brought everything and they didn't have to go through my house, you know, or anything so the other side of the gate goes out to the street? Yeah. Or yeah you're on a corner, paper. I guess? Or? I'm literally, uh, there's a an alleyway behind me, uh, behind the TV in front of me. So there's an alleyway there. To the left of me is my, my neighbor's back, back, the back end of my neighbor's garden. And to the right is a street. So even if I was really loud, when I was building this, one of my briefs to Howard, the designer, I was like, I'm not really that bothered about sound getting out because I'm at the bottom of a garden and I've got roads on two of the walls and the other side's a garden. I, I'm really not that bothered about that. But for me, it's the sound getting in. That was a concern. And actually, my only nervous thing is if I start doing more voiceovers and next door and mowing their lawn, that's like my biggest nightmare. Because I it's not I don't I think it's it's pretty soundproof. Like we had fireworks here before. I didn't even notice there were fireworks. I had drilling going on. I couldn't hear it. But I think if someone was mowing the lawn directly next to me, I, I probably would hear it a little bit. <laughs> I imagine. I don't know. I haven't really tested it out. But uh, I was just thinking in terms of that uh, question about what I regret, I think I did, I'd never done an extension or any sort of thing where I'd have to hire a builder before. And I didn't realise I had to basically check their work. Um, I kind of just handed them the designs and went, cool, here you go. And I didn't know that that's not really what you should do. So there's lots of things that they either didn't do right or some things they did where they didn't know they didn't know. They didn't know they didn't understand it. If you see what I mean? So I would call Howard and sort of say, oh, they've 
done this and he said oh they should have called me if they had any worries and I was like but they didn't have a worry they didn't realize they thought they understood it and did what they thought the design said um so I realized like we're having an extension done at the moment in my house and I was like okay well now I need to know I need to check them every day and make sure they're doing stuff and they don't do stuff without checking in with me and things like that so that was something that I I guess regret and that yeah the plug socket thing was bit of a nightmare (laughs) um and we had it's not really a regret but we had um a huge problem with water that's probably why this room gets really cold and in the end we actually ended up having to go with a pump system that they use in basements and the first quote we got was 11 grand and i was just like crying i physically i couldn't stop the build by this point i was like i was halfway through it but then i couldn't build it without any sort of pump system because it would just be like flooding with water and I didn't know what to do. I was just in tears and I it was just awful. And eventually we found someone that would do it for, I think it was five grand. And I was like, it's still like, <laughs> like dagger to my heart. But we, we sorted that out and it was fine. It, but the basement, the guy, I was thinking, God, is this something that the, the builders or the, the people who we had to inspect the ground, the area, um, the building people, I was like, should they have known this? And the, and the basement guy basically said to me, I've done two story basements who haven't had this much water. And I was like, oh, okay. So I felt good that it was unusual, if that makes sense. <laughs> Unforeseen, yeah. It was very stressful. I found the whole thing incredibly stressful. It's fine now. Well, that's something to look forward to for me. Yeah. And also <laughs> um, the now, very now big... you don't have to water your garden, though. The sump pump does it for you. So <laughs> well, on one side... So one side is lovely and beautiful. The other side is, like, dry and horrible. But I um, I did... The very beginning, it was... We've dug down in, into the ground... So you come in my studio and you go down steps, down like a, just over a metre, so that we could avoid planning permission. Because in England, you, you can actually build certain outbuildings to certain spec before you need to apply for planning permission. And I had I don't think they would deny it based on the size of the building, but I reckon they would just see the word sound studio and be like, that would be a nuisance and would just say no. Because it's a quiet residential area with a school. Well, the school's loud, but our road's really quiet. And I just thought they're going to say no. If I if I tried to get planning permission for this, regardless of the size, and I think it's something like thirty square meters, it's quite large. Um, would that's not mine? That's the cutoff point. So anything bigger than thirty square meters, and anything closer than whatever to your house, I can't remember. And then the height thing was something like two and a half meters inside. So I was I was sort of saying, well, that's going to be quite a cramped room, which you don't really want in such a dead space as well. So then they dug down, which again, in hindsight, well, I was quoted for the job and then digging down deeper added on about three and a half grand. And I was like, it's like getting married all over again. Everything is just building up. Everything's like, oh, here's another 500 pounds. I was like, I don't have all this. I don't have any money. So like I've got my old artist mix I never replaced because I haven't got any money. <laughs> well, I have money now, but like it was just, I was just running out of money left, right and center. And it was, you know, I'd, I'd saved up and budgeted and sort you know when we bought the house we had budgeted in we'd kind of got less than what our budget was so that we could do this but oh <laughs> it was like everything it was one thing after another i wish i'd done that as well we dug down we dug down a little bit but they did talk to us about digging down further to get more of a headroom because because of the limitations around here i did talk to them about possibly doing it above the legal limit and then i'd take it if the building regs people turned up uh, but that never quite happened. But as much as mine's fine, yeah, it's maybe a bit more headroom would be would make it feel a bit nicer. The other thing for me that I thought about a bit beforehand and not 
since uh, was security. Uh, was having everything, all, all drives are password protected. Um, I have to come in in the morning and type in so many different passwords just to get things going. But I would, my worst nightmare would not actually be my equipment being stolen. It would be what's on the drives. And if I'm in the middle of a big job or a, or a studio job, then I've got to be careful. I've got security cameras. I've got dial-up security. The, the, the security cameras are battery-powered, so no one can cut my power and do anything. I always get a signal. So it's things like that that I hadn't thought about, that you suddenly sit there with an S3 and a computer and a trash can and various outboard units and all the other stuff, and you suddenly go, yeah, if someone breaks in here, I'm in trouble. So having that security with cameras and phone up and dial up and sensors is, uh, I think you need to spend the money on that just for peace of mind more than anything else. Yeah, I remember looking at when I was researching which type of uh, alarm to get, I was kind of going, you know, oh, these ones are built in, that's really good. Oh, but if they cut the power and they said, oh, they run off like a back, uh, you know, backup battery and I wanted them to contact me. But then if they cut the power, if the power goes and the Wi-Fi goes, therefore that wouldn't work. And then, you know, so I can't remember what I did in the end. It was all, I kind of got that to work. But now you've mentioned that, I've just remembered my biggest, biggest regret and I'm so annoyed about it and I wish someone has mentioned it to me. Wi-Fi, didn't run an Ethernet cable from the house. Didn't think about that. Didn't, Didn't cross my mind because I'd never done it before and no one mentioned it to me. I'm really quite annoyed with the builders for not, them not thinking that would be a sensible thing. So when it was, so then I was kind of going, okay, well, how if, do I get, do I get an internet extend, you know, um, uh, like another modem to kind of extend it, and then, or do you do the sort of through the wall thing? But they, I've read really bad reviews about it. Honestly, I was just like, this is so stupid. So I was looking at some things where you drill through my house to put on like a a receiver to then have a receiver outside, but that would then require drilling through both walls of this which would ruin the soundproofing and of my house and then the and to be honest the modem's the other side of my house anyway and I was like this is just ridiculous couldn't believe it but in the end we got um a hybrid package so it's it runs through the in the power because we've got the power comes from the house runs through the power but also can go over the over wi-fi as well if it's close enough i'm not sure whether it switches between the two or it uses both i can't remember but because my when it was working that my virgin media broadband is very very fast so even though my lj studios receiver is slower than my house it's still we you know i've done some tests when um when the pandemic hit and my voiceover artist friend was like we need can i do some at yours and i need to give them my internet speed and actually it was pretty good in here i was quite impressed considering it's reduced from my house that was the that is i'm so glad you mentioned that that's the internet my main regret is not running an ethernet cable with the electricity under the ground (laughs) i would say to yeah go for the absolute maximum i i was had a friend who'd had a shed done who's a a techno whiz and he said oh i've got cat six cables and all this and so i got I went to as as much as I could, went as far as I could with sort of the technology for... I didn't want to have Wi-Fi down here. I also want the ability. I I can't get anything but BT here. So my, my internet speed is 70 and 20. So I can't... It's not massive, but it's enough. But I wanted the ability to be able to turn everybody else in the house off. <laughs> so being on a cable here means I can go in the house, pull one cable and just have dedicated all the internet for me for downloading stuff 
it's a good half an hour before they realise what I've done and all plug it back in and get back on the internet. So I get I get a good half an hour if that's the case. Well, thanks for bringing that up. That was my next question, the security cameras and such like that. And uh, I haven't thought about the Ethernet cable. I've thought about how am I going to get it there, but uh, I haven't actually answered the question yet. So, Well, if they, if they, if, well, what they could have basically... We're digging a trench to run electrical. So Yeah, so it just goes with the electricity. That's what they would have done. Well, they should have done. That's what mine's, a very, very, very rigid tube, almost just solid uh, and they ran everything down there and I got them to run uh, bits of string down there as well so if ever I need to pull something down there's string coming up in the house so I can tap it on there and I can pull down so if I do need to pull any more cables down that's available as well. Uh, is there anything that we haven't covered that you think we should cover? No make it like home it's it, if you, you spend a lot of time in the studio and when it's not yours you tend to not worry about it too much but I've, I've, I've got family pictures down here and all kinds of strange things. I do try and keep it as a studio so everything is work-related or like little trinkets or things that people have given me. Try not to end, let it end up as just a storage room. I, I would say, yeah, I mean, obviously I've, I've tried to make mine look nice partly because I wanted to have clients here, but again, just because I don't want to be in this kind of dark you know I've been in dark underground horrible studio not horrible but dark underground studios you know bald like ho- tiny little things and I just didn't want to have my own space feel like that but I also I think don't try to if you're going to do it you kind of need to you've really got to go head first into it you know don't, if you try to cut corners too many places there's, there's might as well not do it you know I with my office chair I you know I got I got the um the same chairs that I pretty much see in every single studio in town now new they're like 700 quid I got mine second hand but made sure they were good and they were like two 200 yes yeah, similar same brand but a different uh different uh range uh whatever it's called model and oh what's it called what's the brand it's uh yeah now I can't think of it either it's uh the the it's a design an architect's name it's the one that oh Herman 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 Miller Herman, Herman Miller, Miller. I did get one second hand, but I got a very good one. I mean, two hundred quid is two hundred and fifty quid is still a lot to spend on a chair. It knew they're seven, eight hundred quid. So I got I that was quite important to me was getting a good chair. Um obviously I went with the whole speaker thing. I could have just I mean my little tiny my tiny little Genelex that I had in my spare room actually make a really good noise in here. And I was like, Do I need new speakers? But actually I've got a big room, I'm doing more mixing, I need bigger speakers, so I was like, I'm not gonna I feel like you need to do things properly. But again, it depends on what type of work you're doing. Um, I was knew that I was moving more into mixing. Um, so that was, again, quite important. But yeah, when you're doing sound effects and stuff, you know, you don't you don't want to have a crappy sound system or a really bad room with not good, um, you know, bass traps and panels because then you won't hear certain frequencies and you could just send something to the mix and they'll be like, what, it's so muddy or whatever. It just, I think... You know, panels, my panels were so expensive. They were actually, they were the very, very good value for panels. I mean, they were like half the price of the most of the quotes I got, but they were still a lot of money on top of the build. You get the price for the build and then you're like, oh, I've got to get panels. You know, you still got to, you've got to get a desk and panels and chairs and those things are actually really important. Maybe not the desk doesn't need to be snazzy, but the other things, they need to be good quality. If you spent that much money on a garden studio, you can't then have crap equi- crap equipment and crap chairs and stuff. I think it's important 
to look after yourself and your ears and your work. I agree that the chairs and just being comfortable at the desk. I, I went to Ikea and got a desk, but one that would go up and down and to give that option. I think another thing that I didn't think about, I'm, I'm monitoring 7.1. I've got a 7.1 set up here. And Atmos, when I had it done, wasn't really a thing. People weren't editing in Atmos. I don't think with the with the ceiling height I could do it. If you had the ceiling height, I would definitely run patch cables up there, XLR inputs, something up there, so that the possibility of having Atmos is, is there. Have a PowerPoint in two positions or four positions uh, if you're working on that kind of stuff would be invaluable. Even if at the moment you think you won't, I think the options are there and have it reinforced slightly so that you know you're going to have a heavy speaker hanging off the ceiling would be a good idea as well. And, oh, lighting. As random as it is, just I've got spots on the ceiling, kind of LED spotlights that I can move around. I never have the ones over the desk. I only have the ones behind me. I've got a couple of friends who are DOPs and they come around and go, oh, you should have some lights down on the floor throwing this up. And, And I'm sure if one of them came round, it would make it a very calm and place to work so that's definitely something rather than just having a couple of spotlights on the ceiling thank you very much for uh, talking to me today and uh, giving me some advice and giving me a lot to think about and hopefully our listeners Uh, i think due to covid and just in general the decentralization of studios a lot of people are looking into this option if that haven't done it already so uh thanks for your insight and uh, congratulations to you both on pulling it off and having great places to work thanks tim Film Bitters is produced by Timothy Muirhead, Renee Coronado, and Teresa Morrow. Theme music is by Mark Strait. Send your emails to info at tonebenderspodcast.com. Follow us on Twitter via at the Tonebenders and join Tonebenders Podcast on Facebook. Support this podcast. You can use our links when you shop with Amazon or B&H or leave us a tip. Just go to tonebenderspodcast.com and click the support button. Thanks for listening. If you are interested in more pro audio related content, stay tuned to hear what other members of the Audio Podcast Alliance are releasing. To learn more and find links to other shows similar to Tonebenders, go to audiopodcast.org. Hi, all. This is Becky and Susan from the Sound Girls Podcast, where we speak to audio professionals from all walks of life. Join us Tuesdays at 9 a.m. and listen to the amazing array of sound humans talk about how they got into the biz. And a few cool things, like roadie nicknames and fizzy water preferences. You can find the Sound Girls podcast wherever you listen to podcasts, as well as our website, soundgirls.org.